Welcome to the Blackout Podcast where I get to talk to amazing people who do amazing things. And today I have someone I've been dying to talk to, Michelle Short, author, mom, awesome human being. Thank you for coming to the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so what, like, writing is fun because you can, like, you know, get on your computer and just type. But writing and letting other people read it is a different <laughs> thing. <laughs> so, like... It is. Why did you decide to do it and how did it happen? Do you know what? I think every piece of writing that I've done that I've shared... I started with the mindset that I'm writing it for myself. Right. And so that makes it a whole lot easier because my sort of expectation for my writing is so high that if I am okay with it, then I feel like most <laughs> people are going to be, right? So are you one of those people that's like, it's not good enough, oh. I want to edit, I want to edit? I do this practice of um, rereading my stuff with the intention of like, um, elevating it right. and I have to say there's been times when I will reread something and go damn that is good right. like I did that right, right, right. and then there's other stuff where I'm going oh you will never see the day, light of day. <laughs> you will never see the light of day like what you is know that what? but well that might be what people actually resonate with have you ever felt that that okay this thing I don't like there might be someone else that wants it or likes it that's really true. I don't know if I've ever thought about it like that. Maybe you mm, should just... Maybe some of them will see the light of day. Yeah, yeah. But do it in a different name, right? Yeah. So, and then see how people <laughs> react to it. Because then you'll be like, oh my God, oh, they like that thing. Because, you know, some of these like popular authors do that where they just write some random With a stuff. pen name. What's her name? The, the, the Harry Potter lady did yeah. one. Yeah, so they have a pen name and they use that, and then so you're you, you're somewhat detached exactly. from it. Exactly. Right? So if, if people don't like, I'm like I don't know that person. Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? So where did the writing start for you? How did you get like? Have you always been writing? Is it? I've been what what some would consider a bit of a strange child. In what uh, way? In the sense that I never really felt like I belonged where I was. I was always dreaming of a place other than where I was. And I and that's a big way of saying that I was always searching to feel like, oh, I'm comfortable here. And so, oh. and I, you know, I was born on a seven square mile island, a very tiny, beautiful paradise of a place. But my imagination and my dreams were so big that I had to find some sort of means to express them. And where where did that come from? Uh, where where am I from? No, no, no. Like, well, we talk about the yeah. seven square mile coast. Yeah. I'm, I'm imagining this beautiful <laughs> place, but where did that, you know, expansive um, imagination come from? I, I think some of it was trauma. I think I um, experienced a lot of trauma in my childhood. Mm. starting a lot of it where as an adult now I'm looking back and going damn that was brutal mm. but at the time I didn't recognize it I didn't have words to put on the thing the first time where I felt the need to really express myself for me like empty my thoughts 
onto paper um, to relieve what I was feeling, I was five. Whoa. I was five and my parents had separated. And um, it was it was so traumatic because mm. they what they had seemed like something forever. Right. right? And they had separated and it wasn't a, a loss of love. It was really family issues. And so that was extremely traumatic for me. In fact, later in my life, um, when my mom passed when I was 15, I had to have surgery, um, emergency surgery, because I developed an ulcer. And when they did all the scans and everything, they said I, I had an ulcer at five, which explains. Um, so it started from, then. It's it started then. And then, holy shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So writing for me is really about sorting through the things that I, I, that live in my head but need to get out right. so I can exhale. And it, it's healing. It's mm. really healing. And, you know, it wasn't until the pandemic that I, I, I accepted and acknowledged that I'm a creative. Before then, I would never put that label on myself. Um, but as I look back, I've always been. It was, it really was the only way to be and to survive um, the sort of things that I was exposed to mm. for so long. It was to express it on paper, to put it out, to write it out. It really was a release. Every word that showed up on whether it's, it was a computer screen or a sheet of paper mm. was a word that was relieved. Wait, you say computer screen, sheet of paper. Do you actually <laughs> really write things I actually out? do write. I, I absolutely love writing. Okay, now I need to see your handwriting because <laughs> you know what? Like, I struggled in high school with writing. Like, once I found, like, once I got on a type, like, uh, on a keyboard, yeah. I was like, I'm home. You're home. Because, like, my writing is worse. You know, I don't know how doctors, like, it's like, maybe in another <laughs> life I was a doctor or something because my handwriting sucks. But I find people that love writing, actually pen on paper, have really good handwriting. So now I'm curious to see what handwriting <laughs> looks like. Cause... Well, I'm telling you, Sienna and I have a surprise for you at the end, and you will, you will... Not only see my handwriting, you'll get to keep it. So. <laughs> okay, that's cool. That's cool. I, I like. I like this. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. So, so I mean, you you have this way of expressing yourself. Um, at what point did you like share it with people? When did you start? Um, when did I start sharing with people? Um, probably as a teenager. Um, I would share. I used to write letters to my sister, um, Soli. When I first came to Canada, I would write her every day. And each of those was a bit of like a creative piece, mm. um, sharing. And so I would share to individuals that way. Every card I wrote was really me creating a piece for that person, expressing whatever it was I wanted to convey to them. So I think, you know, that's, um, that's something a lot of us do that we don't consider art, that we don't, um, you know, but it, it really is. Like I, I've read, I've had cards from people where I'm going, this is a keeper. Mm. Like, you know, cause I can almost feel the energy that they're trying to convey in that. So 
I've been sharing my writing for a very long time in in personal spaces and mm. in, in, you know um, and then it was not until later that I started I share with my class I'd write oh. things for my my students um, I would write for my children so you know when you say sharing it that's the first thing that comes to mind all the little pieces I created for people that I truly care about mm. and how much thought went into everything I created for them. Wow, that's actually really powerful. Um, oh, you mentioned that it was during the pandemic that you actually said, oh, I'm a creative. Why did it take you so long to admit that to yourself? I think I didn't want to feel like an imposter. I'm an avid reader mm. and I am passionate and extremely grateful for all the people who share their writing with the world, right? Toni Morrison is my absolute favorite. Um, Eloise Greenfield is um, a writer from the States who is a children's book author who was the first person when I read that book to my students, um, it's called Honey I Love, that I felt like, oh my gosh, we can be in storybooks. Our children can see themselves reflected in a positive way mm. um, in the books that we're sharing with them. And I, it was that time that I went, I want to create something like that. And because I looked up so much to these writers that I was just devouring their work, I thought, how am I going to call myself a creative writer? Right, I, there's no way I can measure up to that. those people. Right? It, right. And then it really, I feel like it was, it was really a survival thing for me to claim that. Because during the pandemic, I, I suffered some real trauma. Mm. And I felt like as the world was going into chaos around me, inside me it was an even greater war that was happening mm. and it was the only thing that felt safe that felt good and i'm like this thing that gives so much to me mm. i need to claim it i need to own it and so i never wrote as much as i did during the pandemic like everything came out of me and it felt authentic and it felt real and powerful and cleansing and i'm like if i don't own this thing i'm doing a disservice to the to the creator who's gifted me with this mm. thing and to myself right True. because yeah it was cleansing for me but it also took energy it was the one thing that gived as much as it was taking mm. and so it was it was mine and i it, it was due time that i owned it and i think it really was like a coming of age it mm. was like Right, yeah. right. Like, you know, it's like you've been waiting to excel for your entire life My and then the pandemic happened. And, <laughs> you know, something someone said, um, like I, I make films and stuff, I'm like, I'm never going to make, a, I don't know, there's a TV show I love, Black Mirror, it's dystopian and stuff, but yeah. I'm like, there's this episode and if I ever make, if I ever write something that good, I'm not going to write it again. And, you know, someone says like, you know, you don't have to be the next um, let's say right. Steven Spielberg. Right. You can be the first you. Exactly. You know? Exactly. That reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from Toni Morrison, who I just adore. Like, for me, Toni Morrison lived her life 
in a way that I imagine we could live our lives as black people if it wasn't constantly interrupted by by racist ideas and racist ideologies that fall on us. Um, and I am always in awe uh, that she was able to look past all of that and live her, her authentic self mm. without being defined by any of that or, or even being affected in any way by mm. that. And so one of my favorite quotes from her is, you are your best thing. And it's so powerful. And I try to share it with, especially with young people, because one of my greatest passion is working with young people and um, really just sort of highlighting to the world the phenomenal things that young people are doing, mm -hmm. right? They're, they're not sitting around waiting for tables, for seats at tables. Uh, they're creating their own, you know? Um, I'm going off on a bit of a, of a tangent, no. but um, it's, it's definitely one of the things I try to share with them because I think you're absolutely right. Like, I love Toni Morrison. I, you know, she, what she's done, her contribution to society as a whole in terms of what literature can do, right, is huge and massive. Mm. And and so much of us are better for it. But I I wanna be me. I I'm 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 not I'm no longer content to like um to not own that. Mm. To not own that 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 I have something special, that I am my best thing. And what I'm gonna give anyone, if it's not me, it's not the best thing I can give them. Yep, Right. yep, yep, yep. So how do you handle that ownership now? Now you're like, yeah, I'm a creative. <laughs> it's a, it like anything, I think. It's a daily thing. It's not like you're there and now I'm like, oh, always yeah. walking around feeling like- <laughs> I'm the shit. I am, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> author Moshella Short. I had so much trouble accepting that going up on my social media, but it is a daily thing. Mm. And every time I write a piece, like last night I wrote a piece, mm. like whenever something like this is coming up, I get inspired and, um, and I wrote a piece and it was beautiful. And I, I was in full ownership of my creative status, but there are days when I'm like, having to do something, mm. you know, or really wanting to empty myself of something and to make that look like art and it's not happening. Right. And then I question myself, <laughs> like, am I really? Why the heck did I, like, why did I announce to the world I'm a writer? Now I look. You can't, uh, the genie's out of the bottle. You can't put it back it's there. in. Yeah. It's there. Thank God it's out because there are days where I'm like, Ooh, if this was the day for me to claim that it thing, it wasn't happen. happening. <laughs> no. Okay, so let's talk about the book. Yeah. Healing. So, Healing the Little Women Inside. Mm. Um, oh, I've, I've goosebumps thinking about it. I um, was, I had had a really severe episode of anxiety. Um, I was living in Montreal at the time and needed to get away. Nova Scotia is my place. Mm. It really is. It's the it's the place that feels most like home for me. It's really where I found myself. And being back here, when I think of being someplace that feels safe where I could be my best self, it's always here that I think about. Mm. And so when I was really feeling like this anxiety is crippling my 
very will to survive, mm -hmm. I needed to come here. So I came and I was just like, just being here made me feel like I could ride this thing out. And it was in the worst of it that I got a call from someone that I had been at a conference with. And they said, this, this young lady is putting together an anthology about women who've gone through something in their life, but have some sort of hope or something came out of it that they can celebrate. And I thought, the timing of this sucks. Like, <laughs> I am at the bottom. I mean, there is no lower I can go oh my God. in terms of how I feel about myself or my hope for life or anything. Mm. And, um, and then I got off of that call and I wrote. And the chapter that I wrote here, I wrote in half an hour. Wow. I wrote and every sentence... I felt myself feeling stronger. And so this thing that I thought couldn't have come at a worse time mm. came at exactly the, the perfect right time. time. Yeah. And every day from after pouring that out there, I felt stronger. I started believing every word that I was saying. I start feeling hope. Um, and so when I passed this in, I was a whole new person. I was a whole new person who went from feeling the most hopeless she'd mm -hmm. ever felt to feeling like I can do something. And not only can I do something for me, <clears throat> but I can use this story to help someone else. Wow. I can use this story to inspire someone else that no matter how low you are, you have the power to take yourself out of it and take yourself out of it in a way that can inspire someone else to do the same. So this particular chapter in this book mm. means so much to me. And I'm, you know, I dream of the day when I could share it with my Nova Scotia family and community. And uh, um, I had a, the first opportunity to read it at a reading of Mira to out loud. And it was for me super powerful. And so I'm looking forward to doing more of that. Wow. to sharing it and having it serve as a sort of tool or inspiration for others to realize that no matter how low you go, there is there is a way out. And that way lies right inside of you. Like you hold the power to mm. do that. Do you want to share a bit of what that chapter was about? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it, it really started, um, I'd say, so my daughter's going to be, 10 soon. So about 10 and a half years ago, um, my husband at the time was diagnosed with cancer. And here I was with two young children and uh, pregnant with a child and having to deal. And it was a very, very traumatic um, experience mm. for him, but for our family as well. And, uh, and being a mom who was responsible for um, <clears throat> supporting my children through that experience. Uh, so many times we thought we were gonna lose him. Um, and then going through all of that and the ups and downs of that and just being stretched to my limit, mm. physically, emotionally, all of it, right? And, and really questioning my ability to sort of maintain that. Mm. But knowing that I had no choice because I had little ones. I had little ones that I had to do it for. Yeah. And then it brought up old trauma. Like going, and that's the thing about trauma, right? 
it's a cycle. Mm. And every time you get a blow, it opens the wounds of the All blows the from things. the past. Yeah. Right. And so that's exactly where I was at, at wow. this very sort of raw, raw space in my life that just felt like there was no way out. And on top of dealing with this current trauma, all of the old stuff that I thought that I dealt with or I'd healed from was just like breaking open one after the other. So what a space, like, you know, um, ooh, it, it, it was really, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was very dark. It was very dark. Um, but it was also the time where the light at the end of the tunnel was at its brightest. Mm. And so, so I, I don't, I don't regret it. I, I don't at all because it really, you know, it's a, I was watching a video the other day about mending with gold, broken things. And right. I feel like that was, that was at the point in my life where my pieces were mended with the strongest of anything possible, which was self-acceptance, self-love, and, and really this acknowledgement that I am my best thing. Okay. I, I love that quote. And it's super true. It's true. And um, you mentioned the the mending the pots with gold. That's like a Japanese thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I just, I, I'd heard of it before, but I just watched something again and it's so powerful, right? Because mm -hmm. I feel like we're all broken in some way or another. And it's how are we ignoring those broken pieces, mm -hmm. right? It's not... It's, you know, it's, it's, that's not self-love at all. It's accepting them, recognizing them. I wrote a piece um, during, the, before that time, but during the time when my husband was suffering and it was, I remember sitting in the hospital and it was snowing outside and sitting there and just feeling like so dark. And then looking at my body and checking all the scars, the physical scars. And recognizing them for the very first time for what they were. They were not what caused me pain. They were symbols of my ability to heal. Like that's exactly what our scars are, mm. right? Mm. It really is a symbol of you've been through some shit, but guess what? You healed. Look at that. That's the memory of that. And so I think us recognizing those broken pieces, right, is, is part of what self-love is. It really is. So, <laughs> you know what? I, I, I swear to God, you can just record everything you've said and you just write it down. You have a book and you call it, <laughs> you are your best thing yeah, or something. You are your best thing. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> I'm really serious. So, um, okay, before I go to this one, let's talk about the seven square, seven, seven square miles. Yeah. Um, so, Bequay, B-E-Q-U-I-A, mm -hmm. is part of, the country of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And St. Vincent and the Grenadines is made up of 32 islands and keys. Um, and Bekwe is the largest of those little islands and keys, um, and which is the Grenadine part. St. Vincent's the mainland. Mm -hmm. And I was born on Bekwe. And it's the best thing. Wait, you're saying Bekwe is the biggest, but it's seven square miles? <laughs> it's seven square miles. So <laughs> <laughs> Very small. <laughs> Only seven of the islands are inhabited. Oh. Um, the others are just like what place, they, 
Do, do people do anything there? They do all sorts of things. Oh, people the... go, they camp, they fish, oh, they picnic. Okay. They, you know, um, I'm pretty sure some of the, you know, I may be a little bit outdated. Some of them are probably being sold and people own them now. But, oh, but yeah. um, the ones that, Beckwith is a very special place, you know. Um, I credit my ability to um, think creatively to growing up there. Um, you know, I, I said in, in, in my bio that there were colorful characters everywhere, mm. everywhere. Could you share one of those? Well, well there's two that okay. I like to share. And I, because I'm thinking about them a lot lately and would really like to write about them at some point. Okay. So they, they, I believe they were first cousins and they were two older ladies. And, um, so it was Kate and Millie and they... They were like staples. They were always around. If you were, when we were swimming, you could see them in the, the shore, like sapping their knees with the salt water because they, they believed that strengthened them. Um, they were always offering advice to us um, as we were growing up. In fact, I remember Kate, when I announced to my village that I was going to um, be moving to Canada, mm. I remember Kate saying, come, let me pray for you. Oh, wow. <laughs> and she was going on. And then no shame to my Canadian friends and family, uh, my uh, American friends and family. So she did all of this. And at some point, she realized I'm going to Canada, not the U.S. And she's like, I waste all my time. <laughs> you don't need that. You're going to Canada. Right, right, right. You're right, good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, this is funny. So okay, yeah. yeah, well, so she's it, colorful. Yeah, no, <laughs> she is and colorful. There, there's so many. I, I remember this one guy, Big One. He was a fisherman, and like about, he probably was about six seven, and he just like he grunted at us, like you know, he was annoyed with children, like, <laughs> and what <laughs> he it was just there's just so much of that, right? Mm. And Beckway are. Um, our economy was fed mostly by um, the tourist industry. Oh, and okay. so there were a lot of foreigners coming through as well. Mm -hmm. A lot of them were coming back time after time. And so that, you know, my first book that I read was given to me by a foreigner, an American who loved reading. And it was Little Women. Oh. And I was 10. And it was an original copy, so the big book. And I remember, like, it was such a gift like I couldn't believe I carried it everywhere it was, it was big it was a, the really big one wow. I carried it everywhere and I read it and I've since then read and been sharing with my daughter that story and it was so far from anything I had experienced in my lived you know anything that I'd lived but mm. and that's when books became this thing for me. Like, like you go you know, to this world and you go to many places. You could just go to, you know, there were a lot of German, um, a lot of Germans coming through and I wanted to learn German because a lot of the books that were left behind were in German and I was like, <laughs> I'm missing out. Oh, that like, language is harsh. It's harsh. I never did learn German, but. <laughs> it's so hectic, like, uh-uh, no. no. <laughs> Okay, okay, so now let's talk about Mirror. Why yeah. did you make it? I, like I've been sharing, um, spent a lot of my life, like, not recognizing 
that I was my best thing, not recognizing that there was so much good in who I was as mm. I was. And when I had children, I, and in particular, when I knew that I was having a little girl, I was going to have a little brown child and the world gives children who come in our skin so many reasons to feel like they're not worthy of mm. love and of the greatest love of all, self-love. And I started thinking about how am I going to help her to navigate a world that is constantly going to be giving her thoughts that she is not worthy, mm. that she is less than, and that if she was something else, if she came in a different color, if she had a different sex, that she would be better. She could be better, right? That there was room for her to be better. How was I going to help her to navigate that mm -hmm. in a way that left her feeling confident in who she is, left her feeling love for who she is, mm -hmm. as she is? And so there was a lot of thought, a lot of thought throughout my pregnancy about what I was going to do. You know, I was reading and I, I had this sense from the very beginning that whatever solution I came up with had to come from within. Mm. And then one day when she was just, just a few months old, like crawling around in our living room was a wall of mirrors. And I, I would set her there as I cooked or cleaned. And I saw her for the first time recognizing her reflection and I saw her loving it like loving it, engaging with it with joy. Mm. And I thought that is the thing. That is the thing that I want to preserve. That is the thing I want her to feel whenever she sees her reflection. And she, that day when I put her to bed, I went to sleep with thoughts of that ima image in my head. And I thought, how am I going to do that? How am I? This is a big order. Mm. But that night I woke up. It was about 2.30 in the morning. And I wrote. I wrote Mira. Wow. I wrote it all out as a poem, an affirmation poem that I was going to read to her every single day. That's what it was from the start. It was something personal for her. And that's what I was going to um, do. Mm. I was going to share it and it just flow. It, it was written in, in a matter of minutes, but it was something that was in the works for a very long time yes. that I'd been thinking about. And then as she got older, she started reciting it, the words. And I thought, this is powerful. Like what the way she's saying it, this is having an impact. Mm. I want to share this. I don't want to just keep this between her and I. I want to <clears> share it with other other adults that have little ones in their life that they want that same thing for. Mm. And so I um, I just, I started looking for publishers. I started researching what it would look like to publish this, to share this. Mm. And it was a three-year journey oh, wow. of finding a publisher. It was a lot of, I call them um, <laughs> like, uh, encouragement letters. <laughs> they were my encouragement. I have a collection of encouragement letters. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, 
I'm gonna. Uh... That's okay. That's a good one. <laughs> oh yeah, because I, they were all like, "This is great, not for us." This You're is, right, right, like, right. I'm like, "Thank you. I'll keep going." Because <laughs> after the first ten, though, I have to admit, the first ten, I was like, oh, "Yeah," and then I'm like. No, 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 no. This message is too big. Oh, I can't get discouraged now. Like, yeah. like that. So I got to figure out another way to interpret these letters that mm. I'm getting back. And so, you know, finally I had two different publishers that offered to do it and were excited by it. I was really hoping for a Canadian publisher, but I ended up with an American publisher. And it's out there. It was an experience. Um, but it helped me to get Mira out there. Mm. And um, it was it was actually May May the fourth that they wanted my release date to be, and it was in the middle of the pandemic. And I oh, thought, yep, 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 yep. and I'm like, no, please. And I fought with them. I'm like, I do <clears throat> not want my first piece of children's literature to be connected to to this pandemic like <laughs> no we're gonna delay it and they were like we're really thinking it was the best thing again it was that sort of not resisting for too long mm. and then you end up in the best place you're supposed to be mm -hmm. people were in were hungry for this because although Mara is intended or initially was intended for for young girls it ended up being um something that Everybody, everybody could use. Um, I one of the best reviews I've had was from a little boy. Oh wow! He was he actually wrote his mom was like he want to do a review of Mira. Um, he loves it so much and he did an incredible, an incredible review on it. And I've had adults who said this means something, and I've bought copies to give to my adult friends. Mm -hmm. I so you know the message of self-love and self-acceptance and how we can get there is for everyone, you know, and I'm really honored to have Mirror serve as a tool mm. for kickstarting that journey for individuals, regardless of what shape or size or color they come in. Mm. So. Okay, so before we bring the star to come, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the star of the book, what is next for Michelle? Well, I've told you you should just make it one name. I think I told you that when we talked. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. We should. Um, what's next? Um, I want to write more. I've been writing more. I want to publish more. I there's a there's a book that I've completed that is really near and dear to my heart, and I'll give you a little spoiler alert. Um, one of the things that I have that I'm really, really concerned about is the way we talk about love to our children um, that are of African descent. Um, it's through a very Eurocentric lens. And so a lot of our children are feeling not loved or not loved well. Um, and so this piece is really about getting, starting that conversation that look love in family love between individuals can look very different. Mm. And we talk about it in a very linear way um, that excludes a lot of expressions of love. Mm. And so the next piece that I hope to publish is about that. It's about starting that conversation about how different love could look depending on where we're coming from, the, depending on where, you know, we are um, right now, you know, what state. So I'm super excited about getting that piece out there. I, 
I'd love to write a book about the incredible experiences that I've been privileged to have in my life. There's been a lot of ugly, but there's been so much more good. Mm. And so I want to I want to share some of that. I'd love to write about that. Some of those colorful, colorful characters. characters. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I'd like to do that too. But I do have right now four completed children's books oh, that wow. I'm... Uh, Is that going to be like your thing, children's book or... Well, I think it's going to be part of my thing. Okay. I do want to write for adults. I do, you know, um, have a lot of stories in me that um that are for an adult audience um but there's a lot and most of my children's books are gonna be a conversation starters mm. you know about um social issues about things that are impacting our our community that that children have so much insight in that we don't give them credit for mm. right but you know sienna and i did a reading of mira at a an elementary school with grade fours and fives. And at the end of it, because our reading is very interactive, we pose questions to ourselves and the audience, and it's a conversation. That's why we call it Mirror Talk. And at the end, the teachers were shocked. They were like, we've never heard our students talk like that. Wow. Why do you think that is? And I'm like, because nobody, nobody has shown them that we believe very strongly that you have something important to say on this topic. And I and that's how I I go into it. Whether I'm talking to children or I'm talking to youth, <clears throat> I know. And it's not something I'm putting on. It's something I know for a fact. Mm. They have something to say of value. And um and we don't give them enough credit for that. So mm. that's what I want my children's books to be about. It's about First, acknowledging that our children are ready to talk about these things and they have something important to say about them. Wow. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. So you have <laughs> kind of like this plethora of books that are going to come out at some point. Yeah. Do you have one that might come out in the near future? Yeah. Oh, okay. I do. I do. I'm. What's I'm, it going to be called? Um, It's going to be called Love Looks Like. And that's the one. And I'm already seeking... um for publication so oh. I, i'm already sending out query letters for it so it's all out there okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay it's out there <laughs> I'm I can't wait, fingers I can't wait. Toes. okay i know i said i was gonna ask you that one before we bring sienna in but i guess this is the one though um so you have all this you know stories inside you that are bubbling up and stuff what i'd even touch in is do you have a process when you want to write or is what do you do you know the first thing is I have means to write, to empty my thoughts. Mm. I have that all around me. Mm -hmm. So notes on my phone is one of the apps that's the easiest to access. I love that. It's, you know, I have pen and paper everywhere. I have in my, every purse <laughs> has pen and paper. Okay. No, honestly, anything that I've written that's worth publishing was began oh, no, on, on oh, okay. with pen and paper. Okay, so, <laughs> so a good gift for you is like pen and oh, a nice yeah. journal. Okay. Yeah, you you can't go wrong with a nice <laughs> journal. Like I, I, I love that. I do absolutely love writing. Okay, um, writing it down that way, but being prepared mm. because inspiration can come from anywhere, mm -hmm. right? It could be. Uh, like I say, watching one of your episodes and I'm like, oh, um, that is, or, or somebody saying something or, you know, just random thoughts. So I need to always be ready to, 
to write. That is my process to be ever ready. Mm. Um, and like I said, inspiration come from can come from all around. And so um, there's no real process. It's just other than being ready, right. ready to put it down. Because I've written some great pieces, and I say great according to my standards, mm. that um, thank God I was ready to, to write it out. Because then it came out and it was complete. There was no revision to Mira. There was no revision to this chapter in this book. And I think it's because I, I was ready. Yeah. I was ready um, when I decided to pen it. So. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's scary. <laughs> you, know, you know what's scary is what? one of the things that I've yet to do that I'm, I've been thinking hard and I don't know if I should put it out there in the universe like this, but... Might as well. <laughs> I would love to read my poems out loud. I would love... To have the confidence to be able to do that. Like, that's crazy, but it's a thing. Like, I think some of the most talented people get up on stage and read poetry that they've written. Mm. Because I feel like poetry is one of the things that's the most personal for a writer. Mm. Like, it really is. If you listen to most poems, they are saying, they're exposing something about mm. the writers, right? Mm. And so... Mm. That's one place I haven't gone so, yet. So, okay. The see, see, you should not have said that. Oh, no. <laughs> you should not have said that. How many poems do you have now? Oh, I have quite a book. Ah, I have quite a book. You <laughs> just asked. You just, what do they call it? You just, you just spoke the... Man, uh, you spoke just, the bear. Yes, 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 yes. Because <laughs> now we got to do that. We got to do it. We have to do it. And... I happen to have the means for you. You do? I <laughs> know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I did say it's a fear. Like, I did say I'm not sure I'm no, ready to see, go see, there, but see, it's where I... This is how we're going to do this, right? Oh, we're boy. just going to do it for you. <laughs> right, right? And then you'll be like, oh, okay, it sounds fine. Oh, okay. And then remember you said if you like it enough, then people will like it. Yeah, so so we're just going to do it for you. <laughs> Okay. Right? Okay. Right? Right? Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to stop now and then we'll bring Sienna on. I will be forever and a while. Should we read this together? Yeah. So, so I, I look, look in, in the mirror, mirror and who do, do I, I see? I see exactly the person that I want to be. be. I see me. Yay. <laughs> and then how about I ask you one of the main questions that we like to ask each other and then throw out to everyone. Um... What is what does being kind to yourself look like to you? What does practicing self-love looks like to you? When you practice self-love, it's when you try to like learn things about yourself and you be patient with yourself. Do things that you truly like instead of just doing what other people like or acting like what other people like how you act or it's really about just doing what makes you happy and taking care of yourself physically and mentally. Mm -hmm. Something that can help both of those things is definitely getting a good time to a good amount of sleep, <laughs> which sure. I need to work on too. <laughs> or like going for a morning walk because it can help you clear your head and it's good for your physical. Absolutely. And it's just taking care of yourself and being kind and not letting what others say define what you feel about yourself. 
I love that. And I love those examples because they're like something that everybody can do, right? And what are some of the things that you think gets in the way of people practicing self-love? Mostly it's like yourself because we're our biggest bully and the worst thing is that you're stuck with them forever. (laughs) So true. So true. Yeah. And if you ever want to stop that bully, like, for example, if it says something mean, like, um, you're so bad at math, you're probably not going to get an A on that test. Um, Say something to top it, like, I did really good on this one test, and maybe I'm not the best in math, but I'm really good at writing or something. Just something to block out the other mean stuff. I love that. I love that so much. Yay. (laughs) That's it. That's what it usually looks like. And then we engage the audience for sure. And some of the best sort of messages that comes out of these talk comes directly from the children and uh, the educators and parents that we get to engage with. So that's part of the best part of it for me is having people engage. Mm -hmm. Yep.